What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it. Had a great weekend, but we're back in the studios. You guessed it. I'm back at it with my man, the mad scientist. What's going on, Dave? How's it going for you? What's up, Mike? Back again. Did have a good weekend. I, I really enjoyed my weekend. I hope that um, everyone else was, was able to try to get in some family time uh, over the Easter weekend. Um, I did. and it, it was great. I enjoyed it. Hey, that's it right there. Um, from the pictures I've seen that you shared with your weekend, it seemed like you had an adventure going on over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we stayed busy. We, um, My son and I went to the range. We, we snuck out and kept our social distance, but we shot a – we did some match practice at the range um, just on a few stages. And, um, he got to shoot his new 1911 he got for Christmas this year. And I'm, I'm working on, you know, getting more comfortable with my new open gun and we ate lunch and then, um, we met up with my wife and we went fishing all afternoon, caught fish and, uh, bass and, um, had a good time. It was great Easter weekend, uh, great time with the family. That's awesome right there. Um, I, I can honestly say. I only went fishing three times in my life. Um, the first time, my dad ended up taking me when I was a kid, and I was like probably 13 or 14 at that time. The next time I went fishing was when I went out to go visit my nephew in Utah, and I went with my nephew and his grandfather. And then the third time I went fishing was with um, some reps from Walther. Well, that's cool. But I, um, I made correction reps from, um, proper, not Walther. <laughs> proper. Okay. Yeah. I got into fishing when I was younger. My mom and dad fished and then it became an interest of mine. And, you know, as you all can probably tell when I get interested in something, I, you know, I, 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 I go in it, I get in it, you know, full bore. I, I started competition fishing, like fishing tournaments and, and competitive fishing. <laughs> and, uh, we were, we were doing it, uh, no matter what the weather was. Um, I remember, you know, one specific tournament that was 40 degrees, raining the entire time it was miserable i think out of the whole tournament there were like five fish caught out of the whole day (laughs) but uh you know i don't i guess that's just in my personality it's something that you know i get interested in something i want to do do the the best i can at it and it kind of has played into my to my shooting game i don't know you know, speaking of fishing, and like I said, by far, I am not the one to talk to about fishing. Um, <laughs> no, neither am I. <laughs> so, like the last time I went fishing with the rep from Proper, 
I ended up breaking one of the fishing rods. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad. <laughs> but um, uh, people let me shoot their guns sometimes, and I end up breaking their guns. I feel bad about that too. But I do know how to fix guns. At least I, I think maybe that's why. You know, I, I'm decent at fixing guns because I break them all the time. But <laughs> I, I know the rep, and uh, his name is Russ. He turned around and told me like yeah i'm gonna go ahead and let you use this fishing rod it, it costs about six seven hundred dollars oh my god don't break so that I, one yeah, i was like oh okay cool i mean what can go wrong 30 minutes later i'm like hey russ um i don't know oh, what that, happened but <laughs> that's the one you broke yeah six hundred dollar fishing rod man oh man I, like i said i felt so bad and i kept telling them that um <laughs> i was gonna pay for it like pay for the repairs Maybe um, he could write it off as a business expense. Yeah, but they, like I said, they ended up like giving me a hard time until we got back <laughs> yeah, to the hotel. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Yeah. six hundred dollars fishing yeah. rod. <laughs> yeah, so they they gave me a hard time. They was writing me about it, and I think when he actually noticed, like it was really bothering me, he turned around and was like, "Hey, man, look, don't really worry about it. It has a lifetime warranty. All I got to do is send it back in. They're going to it. All right." <laughs> Okay, cool. I feel much better now. <laughs> um, but I was like, in a sense of speaking, that's um almost being like a celebrity in my <laughs> my way of speaking. <laughs> but um, but I was gonna say that um I had a a buddy that I used to work with in the army when I was um at East Six, and he was at E5, and he used to do those fishing competitions. Yeah. And I remember he came back and we always asked him like, yo, how many fish did you catch? How much money did you win? You know, cause I was always fascinated about the competition aspect of fishing. And it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's very different. And that match, I think it was his last one before we went off for like some heavy training, but what ended up taking place, somebody got caught cheating and what they ended up doing was having this real big fish. And when they did the investigation, they found out like it was frozen or something like that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was like some wow. big story. It made like a magazine article. And he showed us a magazine article. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have heard of stuff like that. I've never, you know, witnessed it personally. But yeah. But I was just fascinated because like that was the first time I heard about it. A fishing competition. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but it's just, I don't know, reason to go out and fish. I guess I enjoyed it because it was. I I fished with the same group of people often, and it was just, you know, we got together and we we did like we do our shooting. You know, it's just a group of friends and and you know people we get together with and and or like minded individuals and we do our thing together. Well, like I said, it's different for me, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And now I'm scarred for going fishing for a minute. But I said, next time I go fishing, <laughs> I'll probably end up buying my own fishing rod. <laughs> so I now I just <laughs> I just enjoy helping my wife and son fish. I don't f- actually fish all that much when I, when I take them fishing because I'm always you know uh you know helping them with gear helping them with with bait if we're fishing with live bait or or taking fish off the hook or or right it's just family time for me now i don't really care about catching fish personally anymore but i i enjoy the time 
uh, we get to spoon together. Now, my question for when you go fish, do you fish and throw it back or do you fish it, take it home and eat it? No, we, we always throw it back. Um, I'm not opposed to keeping fish, but I, I don't like dealing with cleaning them and, and all that mess. So I just throw them back. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like eating fish. It's just, I don't want to deal with all that. Yeah. That, that day we went uh, fishing with the proper team. Russ ended up catching something like 12 fish that day, but he was throwing them back when he catch them, he'll throw them back in. And Ace ended up catching something like seven and I caught none. Because <laughs> well, if things get any any rougher in our in our world now, I might start keeping them. But, <laughs> but for now, I'm I'm still throwing them back. Gotcha, I got you. Now, um, let me ask you this: um, I've seen a post on Facebook the other day about celebrities, and celebrities are getting beat up. And there was one meme I've seen where it's like the real celebrities now are the frontline people, you know the cashiers at the grocery stores, the nurses, police department, fire department. And yeah, I'm sitting back like, okay, so why are we now bashing these people for the life they decided to choose to do? That's their job, mm-hmm. you know? But one thing I did hear positive was there is this one actress and her name is Carly Red. And of course, you know, I don't expect that you ever heard of her before. Yeah. No. Yeah, Carly, Carly Red was on that um, TV show Screen Queens, and back then it was a competition. Whereas they had to project fear in different scenes or something to that effect. She ended up winning it, and then she ended up um, getting a role on um, uh, what's that? One of them shows on VH1. Love and hip hop. Lo- love and hip hop. Yeah, I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah. So um in Atlanta. She up, yeah, she ended up doing that show. And I don't like watching shows like that. Anything with drama in it, I refuse to watch it. No, I don't like it either. Yeah. But um I ended up meeting her when I was stationed at Fort Benning. So she came to um one of the clubs there in Columbus and I guess it was her manager or somebody came up there to where I was working at when I was working at the um, combative school at Fort yeah. and they needed protection for, her. I was like, okay, cool. So I was one of the people that got selected to pull security on her. Okay. And, um, I got, I got pictures of her, you know, the conversations we was having like pictures, they was taking pictures, um, very down to earth. So, and good. One of the first things she asked was, do you know who I am? And I was like, I have no idea. Only thing I know is you're a celebrity. You're on TV. That's it. And she said, you ever heard of love and hip hop? Heard of it. Don't watch it. (laughs) And then she was like, what, what like that? And I was like, and I said, legitly, I said this to her, you are a very beautiful woman, but that is not enough to catch me to watch drama. She is pretty out. I mean, I'm just looking at her, her, I don't know, whatever Google showed, showed me of her. She is pretty girl. Yeah, she's, she's but very yeah, that, that's not gonna get me into some reality drama stuff either. Yeah, and um, but the one thing about her and why I brought her up, <clears throat> she was, and I'm not certain if she's still doing this or not, but this was last week when I came across this. She was giving out like a thousand dollars a day for people who were in need. Like you lost your job, 
if it was something. And I ended up catching a live that she did on Instagram. And I watched like maybe 15, 20 minutes of it. And it was something in the message that said, like, because you know how people can write messages and you can read it as a spirit. Mm -hmm. And she actually said something along, I mean, somebody wrote in there along the lines of they're homeless living in their car with three children. And she literally stopped the live and was like, hold on, what, what did I say? You need a car. And then when she went back and found it, she was like, oh my goodness, you know, you're living in a car, please contact me, DM me, this out or another. And from what, like I said, from what I gathered, she's actually doing like some good stuff out there. And and I'm not saying all celebrities are not doing good stuff, but um, I'm pretty sure people are helping out where they can help out. I, you know, and it's been, I've seen it, you know, locally. We don't have a whole lot of celebrities around here, but I mean, just people in general, just, uh, you know, the generosity has has been great uh, from, you know, what I've seen in are these you know celebrities are, are in a position financially to help out people more correct um you know than i can or, or you know most of us can and it's great to see that that some of them are doing that yeah and like i said that's that's something positive but i will say i do know a lot of celebrities they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes right at least the celebrities that i know they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, whereas they don't want to get credit for what they're doing. Yeah, I, no, I totally understand that. I, I would do the same thing if I had. Yeah. And that's how I do it, too. A bankroll of millions of dollars. It wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be trying to put it all, all over the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't have money like that, but um, everything I pretty much do is in relation to helping somebody. But I just don't throw it out there like that. You know, but it is what it is. You know how it go. But I just wanted to give Carly Red um, a shout out and, you know, congratulate her on what she's doing to help people who are less fortunate in this time of need. There are a lot of people uh, that, that need our help. Anyone that can help, I, you know, I hope hope that you do. Oh, yeah. Um, now, on a more positive note, yeah, we need some positive positivity. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up getting a text message on Tuesday. Okay. Or was it Wednesday? Whenever it was, I ended up getting a text message. And the message stated, Are you still interested in getting um are you still interested in going to nationals? And I mm. responded, um, yes. Check your email. National championship. No, USPSA Nationals being shot in Florida. I ended up getting a slot for Nationals. Very nice. Yes, I was very excited about it. And I was so excited about it. I'm sitting there like, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up, um, of course, writing Wally and asking Wally some questions. He pointed me in the right direction. And then, um, of course, me and you talked about it a little bit. And um, I was like, that's cool. But I find it very flattering because I do know that with nationals, this is more like the semifinals to the finals where the pros, you know, the big dogs go, you know? So I'm more like, okay, well. Well, well the, the nationals in, in the U.S. is the 
biggest match yeah. there is. Right. So, like I said, either way, I'm excited about doing it, but um, I'm not starstruck or anything like that. Whereas you won't see me go out there and be like, oh, that's JJ Mercosa. Oh, that's Max. Oh, no, I'm, I've started <laughs> last year at, in uh, St. George, Utah, and I had a fantastic time. I'd never yeah. flown out west, and, and that was the first nationals I shot. I saw JJ and mm-hmm. all the heroes. I walked stages with, with the, the now national champion, uh, Christian Seiler, and you know, I, I I was a squad right behind the super squad, so I was I was interacting with them and walking stages, um, you know, with them. But it was great. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, and I think the one thing that really like spiked it to be a little bit more exciting for me when you was like, um, you're going out there because Open and Limited are shooting together. And we should squad together. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that would be better for me." Yeah, <laughs> I, know somebody. I think so. But they're because they've separated the the nationals up this year. Mm-hmm. Assuming you know we get released to actually shoot matches again, but it was I think they separated into several different national matches throughout the year this time. And I think it's it's race gun nationals which is limited and open division and i think it's just those two divisions shooting a match together for for three days it's it's best i can tell unless anything changes with all the craziness going on but we should be able to squad together when once it opens up yeah so that's that's what i picked up the way you just described it from everything i read so far you know so I'm looking forward to it and pretty much the way it was the easier way to say what nationals do for you is it gives you a guaranteed spot to go shoot at um, that event. Yeah, you get, uh, you can earn a slot to the national championship in a few different ways. If you win an area championship um, or, or you're, you place high in the previous uh, national championship. Um, uh clubs local clubs are, are also given slots that they can divvy out to their uh state competitors depending on the participation that the club has in each division mm-hmm. um f- for example uh my club csri shooters had a lot of open division participation so i got a slot for the from the Georgia section for CSRA shooters uh, for an open slash limited division slot, and I'm going to use that so I can go shoot it. So, <laughs> yeah, but but that's you know that's the way you, you earn slots uh, a few different ways, and then after all the slots are divvied out for pre pre registration, once all that's done, they'll open it up to like a general registration if there are any spots left, and then and then anyone can can register and, and go shoot it at that point. Hmm, okay. Yeah, Miss Linda, um, the vice president of Mid-Carolina, she explained all that to me. And it was pretty fascinating on how they do everything. Because, like she said, like, okay, our club, Mid-Carolina, has more limited shooters, but Spartanburg has more open and carry optics. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, they get the slots, you know, for the different clubs, depending on who shoots your club the most 
And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah, they look, they look at it at a state level and division participation level. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, divvy up to the slots that way. Hmm. Yeah, that's something else that interests me. And I would like to look more into that to see how they go ahead and say, okay, we're going to give you three slots. We're going to give you four slots, you know, across the nation. Yeah, I I don't know. They had a lot less slots given out. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it anyway. I don't, it may just be the format that they're, that they're doing the nationals this year, but where, where they're, they're like, how many different nationals are they having three or four? Donut. Um, what I read, it was three. Okay. I know they're doing open and limited together, and then it was carry optics and single stack, I think it was. No, single stack was low cap. I think they've got got carry optics before limited and open, I believe. Yeah. Um, But it was like three different ones, like right behind each other. Yeah. But anyway, they got several different national championships spread out throughout the year, which is a little different than they normally do. Last year they had two. So I don't know. Each each time they released slots for a championship, there were a lot more individual slots, but I think it may look like it's less because there are actually more championships. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like we were getting a lot less slots per club this year, but it, it may just seem like that because there are more individual championships. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Georgia Georgia section, I think, only got and how many? It was 10? 10, 10 slots, I think, for for all of of the state of Georgia. Wow! So it wasn't very many, but it, but it was just. This open and lim- it was rate race gun nationals. They got ten, but right. we got we got slots for the the other nationals also the the PCC nationals and whatever the other one is they're calling it. I can't remember now. So now I wonder if you take how they broke it up this time and say like they gave so many limited, so many open, and you know like lessened it out. If you was to take what they divvied out for this year amongst the different nationals compared to recent years and add that number up and would it be the same or not? I, it might be. I don't know. I don't know how they really, how they calculate that. I, I'm not sure. I know they go off of participation mm-hmm. percentage for the section, but I, yeah, I don't know that you have to contact Mike Foley about that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So but anyway, we both got slots in the nationals, and I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward. Oh to yeah, it. oh yeah. We need to start planning um the route, how we're gonna get there, what we're gonna do, where we're gonna stay, all that good stuff. I know the route, man. I've been there uh, about six times this year already. <laughs> uh, I'm calling shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, another thing is matches. So right now, with everything I heard on the political side of things, and they're trying to get the government to go back to normal operations here shortly. But in the meantime, it does look like off the wording of what people are saying, we might start back can 
legally open up matches about the second week of next month, you know, which would be May. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina governor just made a, uh, a speech tonight, but he didn't really go into date detail. I, I thought he uh, posted a letter earlier this week talking about quarantining until June beginning of june or something like that but he didn't mention any of that at, at, on his speech i watched tonight um you know and it may have just been like a suggestion talking about you know quarantining till june or whatever but yeah what i'm thinking uh, it is is probably talking about businesses like everybody else can still go out and do stuff so like nothing really is going to change between how we go out and shop and do stuff but slowly integrate the businesses and the opening between now and June. That's how I took it. I think you could do it. I think you could get some sort of sustainable uh, plan together instead of just keeping everyone at home, you know, indefinitely you get some sort of limited staff or, or, you know, limited customers, customers and, you know, at one time or, or do something to, still keep the business going, but still also, you know, maintain distance and safety. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there could be something else we could do here. Yeah. Um, I heard a couple of match directors talking and what a lot of people are doing to try to flow and get matches back on schedule are work running a half day format, meaning that, you know, some people can come and shoot, in the morning time and then other people can come and shoot in the afternoon time. So I'm, I considered that for CSRE shooters in May at the, at the end of May when we, when we would normally have our match. Right. <clears throat> I don't know. We may be opened up to, you know, have a full match by then. I don't know. <clears throat> but like I said, either way you look at it, I'm thinking that doing that, for one, that's how a lot of the level, the higher level two and level three matches operate. But at the same time, when you turn around and you look at it, it does bring back a little bit of continuity. Whereas, for instance, somebody who's traveling from, um, let's say, the south side of Atlanta coming to a CSRA match, you know, um, now they have the option of not waking up early in the morning, but they can wake up at nine and 10 o'clock, you know, do whatever they got to do. And then come shoot the match. And, you know, they still have time to be productive in their day before or after. Yeah. And it might be something we can work out. Um, typically, you know, at major matches, you're you're doing half-day formats for multiple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a couple uh, matches around here, like state matches, that'll do a half-day format with really small squads. And you, and you shoot the whole match in, in half a day. But I think it, it's kind of n- unusual. It, it's a lot of fun to do it that way. South Carolina and North Carolina do matches like that. But other like area matches will do half-day formats where you're shooting half a day on, say, Saturday, and then you're shooting another half-day on Sunday. So it's multiple days. But for a local match, you know, you know, you could do the whole thing in half a day, either way, morning or afternoon or something like that. We might even be able to spread it out over a couple of days is what I was thinking. If we have a big interest, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, but we need to still keep squads small. Right. You know, maybe you have a uh, AM squad Saturday, PM squad Saturday, AM squad Sunday, PM squad Sunday, something like that. That would be interesting. But now, would you be able to control people shooting the same gun on two days, or would it be an extra fee, or would it even matter? Well, you couldn't shoot the same gun for the same match. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could shoot, you could potentially shoot a different gun, but it would, you know, you'd have to register again, right? And it, you, you would just be a different participant at that point. So you could shoot the same match, whereas one day you shoot either production, limited, or open. And then the next day you can shoot single stack, limited 10, or carry optics. Or revolver. Or, yeah, you know, just throw a mix in there. <laughs> or Travis. Yeah, Travis. Travis, <laughs> yeah, Travis, we're not discriminating against you in any way. No, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could, do, you could do that. You just, you couldn't shoot the same division two days in a row for the same match. No, I got you. I got you. All right, so now since we're speaking of matches, I do want to give a friendly reminder of every to everybody that um, as of right now, since there's no matches going on, I am still winning the race between Lucky and myself. <laughs> I am one, and Lucky is still zero. So I'm going to remind everybody that until we get to the Toys for Tots Challenge. <laughs> In December. Mike, you're going to be winning until December. <laughs> <laughs> but um lucky's guys work cut out for him then he can't yeah. even compete. <laughs> <laughs> he bought all the challenge so we gonna make it happen <laughs> it is what it is all right so um also for those of you who listen to the show regularly if you're listening last week you noticed word on the streets was done by somebody else and Coach B pretty much barricaded the doors and would let me come into the studio so I could do word of the streets. So apparently she took it over now. Very nice. How'd she do? She did pretty good. She did pretty good. Um, but a lot of people wrote and they said they liked it. So I was like, okay, cool. Good. You know. Well, how did the event at Mid Carolina go? The event at Mid Carolina went very good. And I was kind of skeptical about putting it up like on social media, what we was doing. And I do know a lot of people were wanting to keep matches going, but at the same time, I knew a lot of people were, Hey, let's cut this off because we're going to give a sport a black eye, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, But this was a charity event. It wasn't in the name of, IDPA, three-gun, USPSA, two-gun, or anything like that. And I was kind of biting my bottom lip when I, as soon as I hit the send button. But in all in all, people was writing me saying, hey, that's a good, you know, good deed. I'm going to donate, or I'll see you out there tomorrow. You know, so it was taken very well, and I did not receive one negative message about it. Very good. I don't, did we talk about it on the last episode? Did, what what did you do to explain what what you did what happened yeah so what actually ended up taking place was we were supposed to have the steve anderson class that week so thursday and friday on april um 8th and 9th was supposed to be um the steve anderson class two-day practical 
performance class. Saturday was supposed to be a USPSA match at Mid-Carolina where Steve Anderson was going to coach the people in that class during that match. Well, COVID-19 hit and the scare that was going across the nation between Ohio and here, we had to cancel it and push it to the right. So because the class was canceled and then the USPSA match was canceled in total, what we ended up deciding to do was make that Saturday a charity event, whereas you can come and donate money or donate non-perishable food items um, for Harvest Hope Food Bank. And you get to shoot a stage. So I designed a stage. You come, you shoot the stage, and then you leave. It was like you couldn't hang out, right? That was one of the biggest things that we put into um, the realm. You cannot hang out. After you shoot, you got to get in your vehicle and you got to leave. So, and it, it went very well. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like nobody really tried to hang out. It was people coming, you know, dropped off their food. And as they was getting their gear together, literally it's kind of strange holding a conversation long distance with somebody. So they're at the safe table like, hey, I'm so glad to be out here. It brings back memories. I'm yeah. thumbs up because I don't like to yell. Everybody's got ear pro on and we're trying to, you know, yeah. get close to each other so you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, it was pretty weird. But in the end of things, it was something positive and it paid off really good we ended up collecting a lot of food and in total the last count that i heard monetarily was 715 dollars yeah that's what i saw linda posted that she had a whole car full of uh food items she was taken to the food bank yeah but now i think the monetary donation should have been a little bit higher and the only reason i say should have been a little bit higher because miss linda People was contacting her in regards to donating, but she was directing them to donate directly to Harvest Hope Food Bank. You know? Oh, okay. Number wise, yeah. Yeah. Because they were probably got more donations than that. Yeah. So I I'm not certain how she was collecting the money, but I wanna say she says something in along of PayPal, which I'm not really certain how they was doing it. Because if I would have known, I would have said it. You know, like, okay, donate your money to this account. This that way you got to do it. Yeah. But when you heard me say it and when I posted it, you saw me say email, you know, this email address. Right. And they'll direct you to how to um, send don- monetary donations. Oh, it's great, man. There are so many people out of work right now. I think I've heard like eight, eight million people, something like that in, in the country. Um, it's they're, crazy. They're- People needing help, needing food, can't go to work. Now, you know what this actually did was it literally shows that we as a society, we're not doing as good as we should be for yep. many people to be living uh, living paycheck to paycheck. And then how many businesses are operating paycheck to paycheck as well? Yeah. You know? So I'm I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to do that, right? Because I do understand the concept and everything behind it. But we as a society, we can change some things to make it better for the way people live overall, you know, and it shouldn't be a constant struggle like it is now. Well, it's good for the economy if you 
spend all your money. I mean, you know, yeah, that's correct. As soon as you get it, you spend it, and you know, it, the economy flourishes. But yeah, but then you still gotta think about the people who are concerned about where their next meal is going to come from, or how they're going to make that next month's rent. You know, before the Corona scare. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty much is. But in the end, like I said, um, I wasn't here for that big flood that took place because I had already left because I got here to South Carolina in 2006. But when I first got here, of course, I was still in the Army. And two years after I got here, three years after I got here, um, I became a drill sergeant. And then when my time was over with, with being a drill sergeant, I went to Germany and I think that's when the flood happened, like shortly after I left. 2008? I don't No, I was here in 2008, but the flood, I, I know I was gone and my cousin was living in uh, my house and I was more like, okay, I can't get there because they was closing off the roads and everything. And like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? So when I actually got in touch with my cousin, he was like, oh, you're good. You're on the highland. I was like, okay, cool. I can't remember when it was now. But yeah, it was bad. Yeah, but I do know Harvest Hope Food Bank was one of the organizations that made sure a lot of people got fit. They do a great job. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worked with them before, you know, with, with church groups and and. and food drives and stuff like that. And, and Linda does a great job you yeah. know, with, with the charity work. Exactly. And we do the Toys for Tots thing um, every year. And it's fantastic. We have such a good community um, with our shooting community. Now, also, I don't want people to think like Harvest Hope Food Bank just deals with Columbia or South Carolina. Oh, no. Um, I'm not certain how far their reach goes, but I do know their reach right now is the full state of South Carolina. Now, where it go outside of that, I'm not certain, but I do know as of right now, once you donate food, it just doesn't stay in Columbia. It goes to anywhere in the state of South Carolina that needs help. I thought it, for some reason they were uh, national. They or- might be, because like I said, I didn't... Well, when I was doing my research on them to figure out where all they donate or where all when you give donations, how far it goes out, I ended up getting a phone call and that's when my research stopped. <laughs> but before the phone call, I did you know, realize that they do donate across the whole state. So any place in the state of South Carolina that has some type of disaster or you know, people need help in any such way, Harvest Hope Food Bank does go in that area. Okay. Well, I just looked at, and maybe it is just a South Carolina thing, but it says here they're they're working with twenty different counties in South Carolina. Right. Yep. Same thing I read. So I was like, "Wow, they they putting in the work." <laughs> That's what it is. So four hundred thirty nine uh, nonprofit organizations that they're working with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going all over. You're you're, you're helping your state. Yeah, exactly. So I'm more along the lines of anybody who's willing to help out people, I will do everything I can to help them help everybody else as well. You know, so that's one of my my driving forces. So at the same time, if you want to look them up, I do know they're on Facebook as Harvest Hope FB. And then um, you can find them on Facebook also as Harvest Hope Food Bank. And 
also make sure you look up the mad scientists um on the csra and you know at csra on um instagram and facebook csra shooters and then make sure you go follow me on um instagram as well at munitions weapons tactical and you can also do a search on facebook just under m-w tactical yep. so you got any more pertinent information you want to put out for this week um dave um i guess that's it we're about 40 minutes into it um i've been doing a lot of just dry fire practice and just practice myself this week just you know because we can't get out to matches and, and the range as often as we we used to be able to and I've been, I've been making some progress uh i feel like you know finding some things that that previously i've kind of forgotten about and and i'm kind of circling around and working on some some more fundamental stuff that um that i think will help me out uh, it's a great time to do it just to, you know fundamentals um you can do a lot of a lot of fundamental work in dry fire and practice indoors you don't have to get out to the range um necessarily well that's kind of the I'm, stuff i've been working on i'm back to my dry fire scheduling because the honey to-do list is over with is it but, oh yeah it's done with for now until <laughs> i start back outside and right now um what i'm doing is i'm doing my dry fire you know once a day but i'm about to pick it back up to two or three times a day but in one of those sessions i'm going to work on movement also so I started uh, this morning. Well, I actually did two two sessions of dry fire today. This morning, I changed my since this Corona thing has happened. My work schedule has changed around two or three times. But now I'm 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 going into work earlier, but I'm getting off of work earlier. So that means I have to get up in the morning earlier to get my dry fire in before work. So. <laughs> now I, it took me a few days to figure it out now i'm getting up at 3 30 in the morning to do my dry fire <laughs> and then you know doing doing my morning stuff feeding the dogs and, and doing whatever and then getting to work and then this afternoon i came home and and got outside and uh did some did some uh you know shooting on the move kind of practice um but as i actually starting to incorporate a lot of indoor movement with my dry fire i i got a bunch of uh new targets from go fast don't suck right they, um the targets were previously like uh gorilla something another i don't remember what it was now but anyway they have these these uh stick on targets you can peel and stick targets you can stick them on your wall and they're they're not really they don't have like a strong adhesive backing so you can peel them off and it's not going to pull paint off your walls. So you can, you can stick them wherever you want in the house, move around the walls or whatever. Mm. It's not going to tear up your walls. And um, I've got, so, so I have these targets now on four walls in my, in the room. It's where I practice. So, I, so I was w working on a stage. I've created this stage and I shoot and in my movement between each position is only like two or three steps, but, you know, a lot of times that's all it is in our, in our matches is two or three steps going to another position. Right. Um, every now and then you have a long run or whatever, but that's what I was working on this afternoon when I got home outside, you know, running, you know, at a longer distance from position to position. But 
So I'm, I'm getting a lot more uh, movement in my dry fire as well. And um, since we're not making it to the range, I'm, I'm trying to get in, uh, you know, two, two a day dry fire as uh, Steve Anderson would suggest. Heck, I'm all for it. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, like I say, go out there, do that dry fire and practice whatever you feel you need to practice to make yourself better. I know I'm a victim of not doing movement when I dry fire and I know I have to do it. So I'm about to really dig into myself and make it happen now. So it's good. It's a part of it. Uh, a lot of the stuff, if, if you just need to work on fundamentals, you don't need to worry about movement, but if you're interested in movement, then, you know, working it into your dry fire program is, is a great way to practice it. Right. So like I said, I'm about to make it happen. All right. So once again, uh, if everybody will, please go follow um, CSRA on Instagram. Is it CSRA, CSRA shooters or just CSRA? CSRA shooters. Oh, okay. So CSRA shooters on Instagram and at Munitions Weapons Tactical on Instagram. And then head on over to um, www.m-wtactical.com. And when the website pulls up, you're going to see some tabs on the upper right-hand side of the screen. Click on store. We got some new shirts in the store. And get a few. We make awesome birthday presents, range apparel, and just gifts in total. You know, so check it out. Tell me what you think. And once you get a shirt, please make sure you take a selfie with it so we can blast it on our social media as well. You got any last minute words there, Dave? That's all right. I just put a, uh, just posted a video of some um, practice session my son and I had out at uh, Sharpshooters Range on uh, the CSRA Shooters Instagram page, Facebook, and YouTube. So check it out. That's it right there. All right. So, um, once again, we're going to go ahead and let our sponsors have a few words and then stay tuned for days of the week and you'll hear Coach B chopping it up about what's going on in the area. So we'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com.
Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The Gun Cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The Gun Cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of word on the word on word on the 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 word on Thank you for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. I am Coach B. A few weeks ago, you heard Michael and Dave talk about new shooters in the gun community due to the current pandemic. If you know of someone who is new to firearms, pass the word to contact us at M-W Tactical so they can receive free training. Yes, you heard me correctly, free. Michael believes that if you are new to firearms, that you should not be charged for the training. He says this is his way of saying thank you for being part of the 2A community. Contact me at info at m-wtactical.com and we will get you scheduled for the free training. Since we are still under the advisory to be safe due to COVID-19, All events have been canceled or pushed to the right. For those who signed up for the Steve Anderson class, we pushed the class to May 7th and 8th. You will get coaching from Steve at the USPSA match on the 9th and the mental management class on the 10th. If you are interested in the mental management class offered by Steve Anderson but did not sign up for the practical performance class, you can still attend the mental management class for a cost of $200. Email me at info at m-wtactical.com for more information or to register for the class. As we stated earlier, all events have been pushed to the right due to the current situation the nation is dealing with. For those who have signed up for a level two or higher match, please get with your match director to find out any reasonable solutions that can be worked out to fit your arrangements. Battle at the Beach taking place in Tabor City, North Carolina has been rescheduled as of now for May 28th through the 30th. Please contact the match director, Mike Fritz at lowcountryuspsa at gmail.com for more information.
If you are interested in attending the Teach and Learn event that was taking place in Missouri on Memorial Day weekend, it has been postponed until Memorial Day weekend of 2021. For those of us who like to shoot our regularly scheduled local matches, check with your hosting club and see what the board has put out about holding a match. Some clubs are planning to host a match at their regularly scheduled time and react a week out to notify if the match is going to happen or not. Please check out the apparel that is offered at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store. There are some new shirts that are up now and if you notice, you will see the Coach B shirt. Be on the lookout for the Coach B apparel to be coming soon. Please purchase a shirt or two and know that your purchase is going to help those who are in need. Visit www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store. For those who would like for your information of your shooting event to be featured on the M-W Tactical Podcast, send me an email at info at m-wtactical.com and in the subject line put word on the streets so we can inform those who listen to our show. There is no charge for the bulletin to let others know what is going on in the shooting community. Be safe out there. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or is sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M 
www.wtactical.com. This week, we're going to have a discussion with American Gun Chick. She is a friend of mine and doing something that she stated from day one, which has been getting her some hate from others. Her mission is to get out there and help other females get trained with firearms. Continuing with her mission, she also came up with some music you can watch on YouTube and purchase for your listening pleasure as well. Check out this conversation with American Gun Chick. All right, good people. We are back with the M-W Tactical Podcast. And I have one of my buddies here with me that actually she came around and she did a shooting contest with me, a USPSA match. She came here on one of her tour stops, gave a class, and she came here for another event we did about a year or two ago with Kevin Dixie's Aiming for the Truth. This female has never claimed to be the best, never claimed to say she was this, she was that, and hyped herself up. But she said she was on a mission to get other women involved into the shooting community. That is something that I look up to, and I give her a lot of props and respect. So without further ado, I would like to welcome my friend, my buddy, Brickell, a.k.a. American Gun Chick, to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How are you doing today, Brickell? What's up? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Like I told you beforehand, um, just like when you come to Columbia, South Carolina, my home is your home. And the podcast, whenever you want to come on and talk about whatever, all you got to do is just let me know. For sure. Yeah. So let me go ahead and start it off by asking, what have you been up to lately? Because every time I talk to you, you're in a different location. I know. We travel <laughs> a lot, you know. Yeah, you're busy traveling. I want to get on your travel schedule. Yeah, do it. <laughs> travel you know, competition, competition slow me down, so. Get an RV and just go cross country. Yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking about doing that, too. Yeah, so uh, we've been doing a lot of classes, so that requires us to travel a lot and stuff. We signed a deal with Sportsman's Guide, and Sportsman's Guide has been a huge sponsor for this whole tour. And uh, we pretty much arranged where we're going to do 12 stops in different spots, you know, different cities, um, sometimes different states, all kinds of stuff like that. And so far, we've done 10 stops. We have two more left. We have Dallas and we have um, uh, Minneapolis is like our final one. And then we're going to re-sign for another like 12 stops for next year or for this year. So, yeah, we've been traveling around just teaching classes, taking girls shooting, taking girls that have never really shot before and, you know, might be nervous or scared. And and you saw it because you were at one of the stops and right. you helped us out. Mm -hmm. So we take, you know, we've had women that have never shot before. We've had women that have shot before, but they really just wanted to take the class. And, you know, it's been great because I feel like all the women improved and all the women that were scared once are not scared of guns anymore. So that's the goal. So we've been doing that, and lately, um, that kind of we had to put a halt on that because quarantine. So we're yeah. quarantined right now, and we're just kind of, you know, riding it out and kind of hanging out, waiting for it to go away, and then we can, you know, continue doing these classes. But right now, we can't do those classes, so we're just kind of working on other stuff, you know, like stuff we can do from a studio like this. We're working on songs. I just came out with my first album. A mini what? EP, six songs. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. so I'm becoming a Chanel West Coast up in here now. 
<laughs> oh man. So now I can't say this about um you did a music video, was it last year? No, I think it was like uh earlier this year. Two years ago. It was I can't two remember years how ago. long. Okay, so I was kind of upset with you because I'm sitting there like she made this music video, didn't even tell me, and then best part about it, you didn't even invite me to be in the music video. <laughs> I was like, what is going on around here? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I mean, we I had so we many people. We had so many people. <laughs> we had so many people in that music video. We mm. we had lots of other people, not you, that were like, I was not in the video. Maj, Maj was like, I wasn't in the video, really, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, next time I'm gonna have to put a bunch of names in a hat and shake it up and draw some names, yeah. you know. I'm just giving but you a hard time on that one, though. The next one, you can be in the next. Well, actually, not the next one because we already recorded the next one and we're almost mm. done with the next one. So I'm gonna be releasing another one, but the next one after that will hit you up and you can be in it. All right, well, that's the deal. I'm all for that one, then. I'm all yeah. for that one. So now, let me ask you this since you're talking about music, you did the music video for everybody who didn't see this video or, or don't know what I'm talking about. Um, please tell the people the name of that track that you did that we're talking about. It's called everybody hates me. Cause at yeah. the time, I mean, well, a lot of people hated me and some people still hate me, but yeah, it's pretty much calling out some other influencers that were kind of being D bags and some, you know, trolls that were being jerks and people, it's pretty much giving out a message saying, you know, you people, like some people, not everybody, but some people in the community sit there and they try to claim that they're all inclusive and they're all, you know, we're all welcoming and we're the best because we're gun people. But a lot of people in the gun community could be um, those type of people where if you're not in the club or you don't think like us or act like us and you're not in the club, you know. So it's kind of just calling out those people and letting everyone know that you don't have to be the ideal, typical gun person like you can be whoever you want in this world you can be yourself and we can all come together and all enjoy the second amendment you know i totally agree with that um another segue into that same conversation of what you just said about people who was like looking at you in a different way so your retaliation was you took humor and turned it around you know yeah I, i've always said there's a lot of people that are coming into the gun industry to be famous. So yeah. you have a lot of people who are instructors or claiming to be instructors, not really studying the craft of what it takes to be an instructor to pass the information across in a solid way and just looking to become famous or trying to attach themselves to somebody else, ride their coattail and looking at it like that. And I think that's another factor that hurts the gun community in a sense. Yeah, that is true. You know, you have the gun bunnies, but you also have, I don't know, I don't even know what word we would use for the guys because there's no word out there. But there are guys out there that do the same thing as what gun bunnies do. They just don't do it in a way where they show their body and wear skimpy outfits and stuff. They do it in a different way and they don't ever get called out for it. But so, I mean, there's, you know, there's always going to be those people that just kind of leech off of it because they just want fame or whatever don't really care about the second amendment but you know i mean hey you should hear some of the conversations between kevin dixie and myself and yeah. i'll be calling out a lot of people to him and he just be laughing 
And, you know, he'll just sit back and say his piece about it. And I just go off on it. He was like, man, I didn't know you really felt like that. And I was like, yeah, man. I mean, we had some conversations about stuff like that also. Yeah, I bet it's a good conversation. <laughs> it's funny, but, you know, it's our conversations are pretty enlightening to a point of like, man, I didn't know you look at stuff like that or I didn't know that about you. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So it gets comical at times, you know, but I'm still going to give that guy a hug on national TV one day. He just don't know it yet. Well, now he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now um, COVID-19, it put a stop on everything, you know. So where you're at in the country right now, because you're in Texas. Yeah. And right now here in South Carolina, we still have like businesses still kind of working a little bit. They just reduced the hours. So. If you lived in the 80s, you knew how it was back when everything closed at six o'clock. That's practically really? where we're going back to right now, because at one point the curfew was at 11 a.m. here. And now they're saying businesses have to be closed by 730. I think it is 730, or eight o'clock. It's something like that. But what is the climate there in Texas where you are? Um, so over here, I believe like where we're staying at, they did do a curfew and it's like from 12 o'clock at night till like six in the morning. So they have a curfew. I, I actually like went out running the other night just cause you know, I felt like getting some exercise. It was like probably like one in the morning. I just went for a run and it was like dead silent. Usually, you know, you see one or two cars going by when you're, you know, at night, but there was nothing. It was I heard a bunch of sirens and like people howling and stuff. It was super creepy. I don't know what was going on, but I feel like, yeah, things are kind of weird over here too. Like uh, the only things that are open are essential stuff. So like grocery stores and doctor's offices, stuff like that. Right. But anything else, you know, it's closed. Um, yeah. There's a curfew. There's everybody's going around wearing masks and gloves. I don't think it's mandatory over here, but I think it's, like, if you don't, it's kind of frowned upon. Right. And, yeah, people are keeping their distance. You know, when you go to the grocery store, there's, like, little marks where you have to stand to make sure you're six feet away from everybody. And Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yes. Yeah, I, I said that this scare is going to embark the new norm for us. And yeah. when I say that, I'm not saying it far as, Oh, somebody coughs, everybody's going to run away from them. You know, I'm saying it more along the lines of this literally put our economy system in check. You know, yeah. so how many people can actually work at home or do something and be a little bit more productive in their life instead of that same routine of going home, come back, go to sleep, repeat the process all over again? Yeah. And I mean, everyone's kind of becoming pro gun. So, I think that's kind of good. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it was two weeks ago. We talked about this on the podcast, whereas all the people that are was totally against guns, I said at least half of that crowd, if not more, went out and bought probably their first firearm. And now they're pro-gun because, of course, why are you buying this firearm if you was totally against it? But now you're starting to see the importance of it of the tool, not the firearm, but the tool, you know, what is your take on that? Yeah, I totally agree because 
I definitely, it definitely seems like, cause if you go around to gun shops or just look online, all the ammo sold out, everybody's mm -hmm. buying it up. People are buying guns. I, I guess in California, people are wanting to go buy guns and then they're getting mad because there's a wait, a waiting period. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like ironic and hilarious because it's like you did this to yourself and now you're mad because you're realizing what gun control is, you know, and you're, now you're mad at it. But it's kind of cool because now they're going to see the like how stupid it is to make gun laws and stuff like this. So mm -hmm. I think it's this COVID thing might actually save the Second Amendment, you know, hopefully. I don't know. So it might be a blessing. Yeah. Um it's just like I said, that during any type of crisis or any type of moment, you're always going to have your good moments and bad moments, but what's going to outshine the other, you know, and especially when a lot of cities are saying, hey, don't call law enforcement unless it's a life or death situation, you yeah. know, so that kind of puts it in perspective, especially when you have a lot of people in the gun community who have always been preaching Law enforcement is not there to protect you, even though they say they are here to serve and protect. But what are they actually serving? Yeah. You know, so it isn't like you can just call and say, hey, I need assistance over here for this incident. Is it life or death? No. Okay, well, we'll get to it whenever we get to it. How does that make that person feel? You know, because um, like when I was a kid where I lived at in Virginia, I remember you can call the cops at like seven or eight o'clock at night. The cops would not come into my neighborhood until after like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. So whatever you was dealing with, you really? had to hold off until eight, eight, nine o'clock in the morning when the cops would show up then. You really? Know, anything? Man, it, anything. Like you call domestic violence. Um, somebody broke into your house. Um, somebody stole your car. It didn't matter. They just would not come into my neighborhood because the area I lived in was so rough that if something did happen, it was almost like the parents, let them fight it out. Let them get tired. Then after they get tired, then you go break it up. It's one of those type things. Once the sun goes down, the violence kind of picked up because now everybody's going to come out and do whatever. And where I grew up at, cops wasn't too light, you know, because of the racial um, disparity in that area. So it was kind of uh, like the purge where you lived. The damn near. <laughs> it's almost like that. So, and I think we're going back to that moment right now because when you hear the law enforcement officers saying it on social media and the news that they're not coming out for every call, but only um, emergencies where life is on the lawn. But they're using the COVID-19 scare to try to justify it. You know, just be honest yeah. about it and say what it is. But some things you have to sugarcoat it because if you're completely honest, now everything can just go haywire. Yeah, it, it's kind of proof that. I mean, the cops and the government, they're all just people and people have flaws too. For people to just think like, oh, if someone breaks into your house, just call 911 or whatever, you know, let the cops, only the cops should have guns. You know, some people mm -hmm. say that, well, they're human too and they want to live too. And I mean, they're not perfect. So you can't, you really should only be relying on yourself when it comes to your life because it's your life. So you are the only person that should be responsible for that life. So mm -hmm. if you 
don't take the time to go get a gun and get training and all that, then that's kind of on you, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it just kind of proves right now that that can happen. It, you know, I mean the purge, it's kind of like a scary movie and you know, people joke like, Oh, it's the purge right now. But imagine if that really did happen. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that actually did happen because I don't just 100% rely on police and the government to come and save me, you know? Right. Um, another thing that I did was when I first started hearing all this news talk about guns are empty in the stores, the gun stores, because people have been coming in, buying them up left and right. One of my things I've been saying on the podcast, and I've been just telling people, do not bash people who are new to firearms, especially if you know that person was totally anti-gun. Welcome them, educate them, and teach them. Because if you do all of that, it makes them understand better and there's no no resistance. You know, because like I tell people, when I first started competition shooting, I was horrible. Right. I thought I was good, but I wasn't as good as I thought I was. It was a skill set that I had to build up to to get to where I am today. You know, and there's still room for improvement. So at the same time, if somebody's new to firearms, don't bash them. Just like when you first started, how many people first started bashing you on what you decided to do? You know, especially you open the door for everybody to see all the mistakes you can make and everything. And you handled it like a champ. Well, thank you. (laughs) I tried. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of people won't be able to handle that, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have videos out there. And just like you said, too, at the time when I first started shooting, I thought I was really good. You know, I would be shooting and my grouping would be all over the place, you know, at the very top of the target, at the very bottom. And I would get one on the bullseye. And then I would just be like, woo, all excited. And like, look at that. I did so good. But nobody was ever telling me that, hey, you actually suck and you you should get some training. Well, one guy kind of did. James Yeager invited me out to go get some training with him. He didn't tell me I sucked. But what I mean is he invited me out. Once I actually got some real training, I realized how much I didn't know anything. But Mm -hmm. the good thing is I didn't have, you know, I, I uploaded it. And of course, I got so much hate on those comments. But I never really took it as anybody like, oh, like they they don't matter. They're just, you know, random trolls or whatever. So it is very important that you don't, you know, discourage people that are first starting out. Because if when I'm first starting out, if if I would have had somebody like come up to me or if Joe would have been like, hey, you suck. I I don't know. I might have been like, whatever, I'll just do something else. Then, you know, this isn't for me. So, yeah, it is very important that you don't discourage people no matter what. As long as they're, you know, not breaking safety violations, of course, you need to point those out, but let them just have fun with it. And then as, you know, time goes on, they'll advance and they'll get training and they'll get better. Right. Um, Another thing I I like to do is I like to tell people to get into competition shooting because for me, it's fun. And at the same time, it kind of pushes your skill and opens up that vault. So in the event you have to use your skill, you already manifested the the work and the craftsmanship of applying your skill set to a real life encounter versus somebody who just went through a CWP class, you know, a concealed weapons class, and they got their CWP 
and they think, oh, I got my CWP, I can handle this situation. When they're not accounting for adrenaline to kick in at that moment. And that can be a game changer for everything because adrenaline affects people in different ways. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So overall, I just be like, hey, if you can shoot or practice every weekend or if you can go to a training class every month, if you can afford it, by all means, do it. But if you can't afford going to a class all the time or just going to the range three or four times a week, then do like some form of a shooting competition, whereas the entry fee is low, the round count is going to be reasonable, and your focus is whatever you want to focus on as far as doing that skill set. Because all you're really doing is just working on the fundamentals, you know, and adding movement into it. Exactly. Yeah. And competitions are fun. Remember that competition we did? That, yes, that was what I was going to say. When you came here to Columbia, South Carolina, I, I asked you if you wanted to shoot a competition with me. You said, yeah. And then yeah. you turned around and um, smeared it in my face that you beat me on one stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to. I mean, I have to. Uh, trust me, you're not the only one that tries to um, to smear me, to make me feel bad or joke on me or whatever the case may be. Really? It seems like all my friends are like that. Like, okay, well, I'm the competition guy. Okay, well, okay, come just have fun with me then. If you beat me, you beat me. I'll buy you some ice cream. <laughs> exactly. You owe me some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now um, the next time you come out, um, whenever that may be, we're going to have to do that all over again. I'll go out and do another USPSA match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like I said, it was a lot of fun. And um, if you haven't seen that video, I will repost that video onto the M-W Tactical Facebook page so everyone can see it and see what I'm talking about. Um, she actually came in and one thing I do like about American gun chick, if she is unclear, she is not scared to ask a question and that's for anybody. It wasn't like she was shy. She went up there and started asking questions and people opened up and started answering the questions and she went out there and shot the, um, the first stage she shot, she was kind of uncertain of what to do. But after that, and she got a little bit of guidance, it clicked. Right. So her training actually showed and it paid off, you know. So I give you an applause for that there, Mikhail. Except for I did screw up. Um the thing with like competition shooting is you can't go gun up, you have to stay down range the whole time. And with all my training, I always go gun up when I move around or when I'm, you know, tap racking all that stuff. So yeah, I did go gun up and then I got yelled at for that. So yeah. And what she's talking about is the 180 rule. So the 180 rule follows you from behind you coming to in front of you, but it also travels above your head also. Um, and the only reason being is if you happen to accidentally hit the trigger or pull the trigger, the round is going to go over the, um, the berm, you know, so now it's got to be yeah. something they got to be accounted for, you know. So that, that's the only reason why we put certain rules in place like that. So sponsors. You have a few sponsors, especially with the tour that you're on. You care to talk about some of the sponsors and some of the gear that you use. You know, like I'm a male teaching classes, you're a female teaching classes. A lot of times I always say, I don't know what females like 
So <laughs> now yeah. you're the sub subject matter expert on that. So you care to talk about some of your sponsors? Um, so we have two main sponsors and it's uh, Sportsman's Guide and Just Holster It. Sportsman's Guide is kind of like a website where they have all, all kinds of Sportsman's Guide stuff. So you can get a bunch of just like outdoorsy stuff, really. They have everything there. I couldn't really tell you specifically what they have because it's just a bunch of stuff. And then our other sponsor is Just Holster It. They're a holster company. And the great thing about them is they put an Ulta clip on the holsters so I can, you know, carry like that. And I show the girls in the classes all the time that, you know, hey, you can get this holster and it has an Ulta clip. And, you know, usually all the girls want that holster when we're done with the class. But in the class itself, we have them open carry. They don't conceal carry. And we use just holster it holsters with that too. And it's kind of cool because the holsters have, they're pink and they have my logo on it, American mm -hmm. Gunstick, and it's all cute and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Just Holster It and Sportsman's Guide. As far as gear, um, the girls, I kind of have them just show up comfortably however they want. I don't really like to tell them how to dress because my whole theory is to allow women to be themselves and make them as comfortable as possible. That way they'll want to shoot more. Like, they'll be more into it and stuff. They won't think that they have to be this, like, character or anything. So, you know, but of course I tell them, you know, wear a, a shirt that's up to your neckline, that's up to your neck and, you know, wear tennis shoes. Don't wear like flip flops or high heels or anything crazy like that. Right. And yeah, they kind of just come that way. And I provide the, and I tell them to bring a belt, but sometimes they don't bring belts and sometimes they don't even bring pants that have belt loops. <laughs> but the good thing is the holsters um, work pretty good, even if you don't have a belt. So yeah, I provide the holsters, we provide the guns, and we provide the eye protection, ear protection. But the holsters are from Just Holster It, so thank you to them, you know. And then uh, Sportsman's Guide, since they sponsored me, I was able to buy go and buy five pistols. They're Smith & Wesson pistols. They're the 2.0 ones. So because of them, I'm able to provide pretty much everything. And then as we go to different gun shops, the gun shops will provide the ammo for the girls to shoot. So everything kind of comes together because of those people. And also I want to give a big shout out and thank all of my Patreons because of them, I'm able to afford to go do this and travel around too. So they're a big help too. Yeah, that's it. Now I know like whatever cities you say you're going to, I know there are a lot of females who are like, wow, I really do want this. And I've seen it a few times, whereas I went to somebody else's class and even people I help on the range by me being a male talking to them, you can almost see the, like the kind of standoffish point. Whereas, especially if somebody was like in a domestic violence situation and if you don't know how to read it or pick it up, you know, it can kind of turn a person away from what your intent is, which is let me get you trained on this firearm. and. I think by you being a female, it makes it a little bit more relaxing because now there's no ego in play. Yeah. You know, when I first started, I never had a female instructor. It was all males. So, mm -hmm. but I could totally like put myself in their mindset and see how they would feel. You know, I'm, I'm sure it is very like uh, relaxing for them and they're not as stressed out. And I've had girls in my classes tell me that, uh, they refused. Their husband always wanted them to take a class, but they 100% refused until they saw my poster. And they're like, all right, I'm going to take a class with her because 
she looks like she's going to relate to me more and I'm not, I'm not going to feel as scared or intimidated with her. Right. And that's one thing I like to do is when I teach a class, I like to have an assistant instructor with me. But if there are more females in the class, I would like for that assistant instructor to be a female. And for that reason, I do understand because I seen that when I was a drill sergeant also. I got this big brown hat on. I come around the corner and I'm always correcting people in a manner of correcting them and which is normally push-ups or some form of an exercise, which is deemed as punishment. And some people can relate to what I'm doing and understand the process, but those who cannot understand that process, you know, it might be easier to direct them to a female, whereas the conversation and the intent is still going to be at that same finish line. It's just a matter of who's saying it. Exactly. Yeah. So like I said, um, I'm proud of what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing and I'm glad to see that you put something into effect and you're living your vision and making it come true. So once again, I would like to applaud you for that one. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. So now let's talk about some firearms. All right. I've seen some videos and you've shot plenty of various firearms because you did training with a lot of top-notch instructors around the country. But out of all the training and all the firearms that you shot, what is your favorite handgun? My favorite pistol? Um, I absolutely love my Smith & Wesson MMP with my Apex trigger. That gun, I don't know what it is about it. It's just like magical. I don't know. It sounds cheesy and gay, but it is, I just love the trigger. I love everything about that gun. I'm, I'm sure I could make it a little bit better if I change my front sight to something more that'll catch my eye a little bit better, like something like a Trigicon sight that's green or something. But I love that gun. I think it's perfect. I do like Glocks too. I'm a Glock girl. Um, I've shot Glocks before. I never owned a Glock. And I was supposed to go to the Glock factory April 3rd, that weekend of April 3rd. But because of Corona, it kind of put everything on the back burner. So um, Hank, you know, Hank Strange, he was giving me a hard time because I've never owned a Glock before, you know, so. That's so weird. I feel like you would own a Glock. You look like a Glock guy, kind of. No, <laughs> like when I was in the Army, all my buddies and the whole shooting community that I would hang out with, Everybody was talking about Glock, but I've always bought M&Ps, you know, Smith & Wessons. And then the next gun I got after that was my um, Walther. Because, you know, I carry my Walther um, PPQ for EDC and the Q5 for competition, you know. Yeah. I've heard so, CZs are really nice, too. I haven't – I don't own any CZs. I think mm – -hmm. I can't remember if I even shot a CZ. It's been so long since. I, I don't think I have shot a CZ, but I've heard CZs are really nice. So I'd like to try one of those. And Man, my buddy, um, he has a CZ. Um, we do competition and he rocks that thing. He let me shoot it. That trigger break is awesome. I don't like how the gun looks, but 
it's very good for what it does. <laughs> it's, uh, the gun is made to shoot, and that's exactly what it does. So when you hear somebody talk about CZ, they are spot on what they're saying about it. Yeah. Mm. I need to try one, definitely. But if you come to Columbia, I know a lot of people who have one. I can get my hands on one, and we can go to town with it. All right. Yeah, I'll bring can, the ammo. Yeah, we could definitely make that work for you. <laughs> yeah. So um, now, if the people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you, look at your videos, get involved with something, the stuff you're selling, auctions, whatever it may be, how can the good people contact American Gun Chick? So a good way to keep up with me would be, of course, following me on Instagram, following me on Facebook, um, subscribing to my YouTube channel. It's all American Gun Chick. I'm also on Twitter. Also, I have a website. It's AmericanGunChick.com. And if you go there, you can go to the shop or the AGC store. You can go to different spots. And on there, I do auctions sometimes. Like right now, I'm doing an auction. And uh, I also sell merch, my own merch. I sell hats, T-shirts, slings. Currently, right now, we don't have any slings. We're sold out, but I'm going to get some more. And you can buy slings there. Um, you can also send me an email at AmericanGunChick at gmail.com if you want me to do your podcast or you just want, you know, anything business related, just send me an email there. So, yeah, there's different ways. You can sign up for my Patreon. It's only a dollar a month and you can kind of get daily videos of my life and kind of know more about me. So, that's those pretty are awesome. different ways. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, your Patreons, you're just doing like kind of behind the scenes. And people pay to see that almost yeah. like MTV Cribs in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like behind the scenes or, but kind of like just my daily life, you know, I kind of put myself out there just like I would with my friends, you know, because my Patreons are my friends. So, you know, like for example, I uploaded a recipe, a keto biscuits and gravy recipe on there because, you know, I, I'm into guns, but I'm also into other things like cooking and stuff like that. So you kind of just, get to know me as like who I am, you know, regardless of if it's guns or whatever. Now, you know, I used to do that. Whereas, um, not what Patreon, but I just did it like Facebook. I would kind of put like my behind the scenes life out there. And then when I had my daughter and, you know, by me dubbing her, my little assistant, and also the little assistant, um, people were coming up to me, especially like if I had her with me, and like, can I get a picture of her? Can I get an order? No, no, this is our time together. <laughs> you can take pictures of me, but don't take pictures of her, you know? And, yeah. and then I just kind of stop like putting her up there every now and then I will put her, if she'll say, daddy, take a picture, put it on. Um, She call it the web. She say, put it on the web, you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. So I'll upload a picture to Instagram. Sometimes I'll put it up and take it down, but if she's sitting there watching me and then she'll come back and be like, let me see the picture. Let me see the picture. And I'll leave it up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, but that was the whole reason why I kind of stopped showing my behind my behind the scenes, like my life. Um, because it was like, I don't want it to affect her life. You know, you know, guns are me, but her life is, she deserves to be a child. Let her be a child. Let her grow up into that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if she decides to do this stuff or do anything with social media, I'll support her. But 
I'm not going to use her for the forefront of, hey, look, this is what we're doing, <laughs> you know, because that kind of robs her in a sense. Yeah. See, I don't have any kids, so I don't can't relate. But I see what you mean, you know, just right. your private life. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird putting your entire life out there, I guess. But and then, it, you know, people people on Patreon are really nice. So but if it was, you know, uploading your entire life on YouTube, people will critique and hate on everything, you know? Right. And it's just like anything you do, um, somebody's always going to find something or pick on something you said that they don't agree with, trying to make you feel bad. And, you know, some stuff you just got to let go over your head. Other stuff, you just roll with it and let it go play out for what it is, you know? So what's next for American Gun Chick? What's next? Um, so, I mean, you never know with me because I came out with my own album. So, <laughs> I don't know. I might be running for president in a few years. Oh, that's it right there. So, <laughs> so you're doing um, EPs, making music, doing music videos. Any chance yeah. we're going to catch an American Gun Chick tour or are you going to be on a tour with somebody? You never know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know or plan that I was going to be a famous singer and making an album and all this stuff. <laughs> I did, so I mean, the sky's the limit, you know. I don't know what's going to happen in two years, one year, five years. We'll see. But you know, what, you know what I think would be awesome? We go to the NRA show, and they have you performing on stage at the NRA show. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I hope they can bring auto-tune to the NRA show, though. (laughs) That's too awesome. Too awesome. All right. So, once again, this is my buddy, American Gun Chick, also known as Perkel. So, once again, I do want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast, sharing a little bit about yourself. And once again, I would love to applaud you for what you're doing for the community as a whole what's your vision and bringing more people into the, the two way movement. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on here and letting me talk about myself and just, you know, hanging out with me during yeah. this boring quarantine time. <laughs> hey, that's it right there. So anytime you like to come on to the M-W tactical podcast, you're more than welcome. And it just doesn't have to be an interview. You can actually sit in and assist me with the co-host seat with my buddy, Dave. All right. Sounds good. All right. So everybody stay tuned and we're going to have a few words from our sponsors. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www dot m dash w tactical dot com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two if you haven't done so go follow us on instagram and facebook by searching for m dash w tactical are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating crowded or uninviting there's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds the gruff salesmen and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. 
CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. This is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you cannot wait for Tuesday, go and listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can't even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the 2A community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.